Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, after Christmas, what's next? Well, for Mary and for Joseph, they needed to go to the temple to fulfill the Jewish requirement of circumcision for their new son. It's interesting to note that most people in the city, they did not recognize Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus as being called by God for such a time as this. They just viewed them as some regular young couple. You know, the masses missed it, but there was Simeon and there was Anna, and they recognized who Jesus was. Let's open up with some prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, the Word of God says that you know how many hairs are on our head. And Lord, you know everything there is about us. You knew us while we were in our mother's womb. Father, you have always recognized us as individuals. Lord, help us today as we dive into this Word to be able to recognize the hand of God and to be able to see that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son just for us. Oh, Father, Your will, Your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You know, it was President Ronald Reagan, and apparently he says this is a true story, that he says that a newspaper photographer was told by the editor to take off, get to the small airport, go over Palos Verdes, that's like south of L.A., and there, get up and get as close to the, the fires and take some pictures and get back to the office so they can make, make it in time for the evening edition. Well, as soon as he got to the airport, that photographer drove down to the, to the runway, saw that the airplane was fired up, the engines were going. He saw a pilot there. He got right into the cockpit, and the pilot got in there. Next thing you know, they're flying. And it was about 15 minutes into the flight, and he starts pulling out his camera to get things ready. And there he says, Get me in as close as you possibly can so I can get some pictures of the fires. And then it went dead silent. The pilot didn't say a word. And then he looked over at me and says, Aren't you the flight instructor? <laughs> I mean, that's a bad way to say I thought you were somebody else. You know, the first time John the baptizer, encountered Jesus Well, they were both in their mommy's tummies, Jesus and Mary and John and, and Elizabeth. And yet, do you remember that story? Sometimes something can grab a person, and this is one of those kind of stories. Well, let's look at this part of the Christmas story where Mary and Elizabeth greet each other. It was the angel Gabriel who had given Mary the news about her older relative. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 37, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name 
Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, Mary lived in Nazareth in Galilee, and her elderly cousin, Elizabeth, lived in the hill country of Judea. Elizabeth, after a lifetime of being barren with never being able to have children, she was also experiencing a miraculous pregnancy, just as Mary was. She and her husband, Zachariah in their old age, and then Mary, obviously, as a virgin because of what the Holy Spirit had done. So shortly after conceiving, I mean, after receiving the news from the angel that Elizabeth was pregnant, well, Mary packed up her little belongings and and took off to go visit her relative. And upon arriving, to Zachariah and Elizabeth, Mary was greeted by Elizabeth. And this is what Luke says in chapter 1, verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was an immediate recognition by the unborn baby John the Baptist that Jesus was there. Now let's go to chapter 1, verse 42 and 43. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Again, here's an immediate recognition, this time by Elizabeth, that the Savior, the Redeemer, that Jesus is present. Remember, Elizabeth did not know that Mary was coming. There's no texting. There's no calling on a cell phone. There's no email. And certainly she didn't know about this incredible news about being pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Both John, unborn, And Elizabeth recognized Jesus immediately. So what does this all have to do with Simeon and Anna, as we spoke about in our opening? And the trip to the temple when Jesus was but a few days old. It has to do with recognition. In in the temple that day, Both Simeon noticed and recognized Jesus, and Anna, the prophetess, recognized and noticed Jesus, even as an infant, as a newborn. A quick 
quick reminder, God had been silent for 400 years. The idea that the Holy Spirit is speaking to Elizabeth, to John the Baptist as the unborn, to Anna and also to Simeon, this is a miracle. It's been four centuries. And yet God, through the Holy Spirit, is nudging and prodding and speaking to His people. In the womb, John had perfect radar for the presence of Jesus. But in his early 30s, John the Baptist, well, he started to struggle because he was suffering. This is the same guy who baptized Jesus, who saw God coming down like a dove and heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And yet this is what he says in Luke chapter 7 when he's unjustly in prison by Herod. Luke 7 verse 19. And John calling two of his disciples, John's own disciples, to him, sent them to Jesus saying, Are you the coming one? Meaning, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Or do we look for another? Now you've known this cousin of yours since you were a baby. You've always been able to recognize him, but because of pain and suffering, he struggles. Still, John had days like anybody else who would struggle. Now let's go to Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit, th this is when John saw how God did this, set Jesus aside. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. So why is John struggling? That's one of the negative drawbacks of pain and suffering. We can easily get distracted and begin to fear and begin to doubt when we're under suffering and persecution. The folks from Jesus' own hometown, they had a terrible time trying to recognize who Jesus was. When he announced his ministry there in Nazareth, the people there rejected him, his own people from his own town. Let's read that in Matthew chapter 13, starting at 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, and James, and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. You know, even his disciples struggled too. Those in his inner circle of friends. 
Again and again, Jesus explained to them who he was and what would happen to him, and still they never quite got it. Even when Peter made that amazing discovery and, and that insight, and he declared that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember there in Matthew 16, verse 16, Jesus asked the question, who, who do people say that I am? And then finally, who do you say that I am? And this is what Peter says. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I mean, this was an amazing observation. But moments later, Peter would reveal that he still didn't quite get it. He says in Matthew 16, verse 22, But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, meaning reprimand Jesus for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me. Satan. Even Peter struggled to recognize who Jesus really was. Now, after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended and the Holy Spirit came, all of the disciples began to completely have a different take on who Jesus was. And they got it. And they got better and better at understanding that. Then, of course, there were the religious leaders of the day and they just never recognized him. Even when he resurrected from the dead, they just saw Jesus as a troublemaker, as a competitor. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8, it says, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Paul's saying, the religious leaders, the ones who really should have understood who Jesus was, they didn't get it. If they did, they wouldn't have crucified him. There are not many people who noticed and recognized who Jesus really was those 33 years that he walked on this, on this land. Aside from the encounter between Mary and Elizabeth, and Simeon and Anna, he was not really recognized. So what is it about Simeon and Anna that enabled them to recognize Jesus, even as a newborn babe? We're not given a lot of information about Simeon and Anna. I guess one could say it's a bit of a mystery. But Simeon, we do know, lived in Jerusalem, and he was a righteous and a devout man, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, to come. And the Holy Spirit was clearly upon him. Scripture doesn't tell us how old Simeon is, but it seems to suggest that he's definitely a man who's a senior. It has been revealed, it was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Christ, the anointed one of God. And Simeon was in the temple that particular day because the Holy Spirit had nudged him, had inspired, had spoken to him to go. Now isn't this interesting? Because I thought the Holy Spirit doesn't come until Acts chapter 2. 
See, the Holy Spirit's been with us through the ages. Let's talk a little bit about Anna. Well, we know that she was a prophetess, and she was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was 84 years of age, and she was a widow. She's been a widow since she had been married seven years before he had passed away. And she was in the temple that day because it was what she always did. She was always worshiping, fasting, and praying to the Lord at the church constantly, or at the temple, I should say. The first thing to notice is that Simeon and Anna recognized Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to them both. What's the Holy Spirit doing here, you ask? This is, this is decades. It's, it's like 33 years before Pentecost. <laughs> yes, the Holy Spirit did come at Pentecost to dwell with, within all of the believers. But the Holy Spirit was not new at Pentecost. At the dawn of creation... The Spirit of God swept over the face of all the waters. In the book of Exodus, it is so that the Spirit of God specially gifted certain artisans for, this construction, for the construction of the Ark of the Covenant. During the time of the judges, in the book of Judges, before Israel had a king, the Spirit of the Lord came upon certain individuals that they might be empowered for leadership. Throughout the whole Old Testament, there are references to the Spirit of God inspiring prophecy. In Psalm 51, David pleads with the Spirit. He's pleads with God, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 63, he notes that God's people rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has always been active in both the Old and in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth. Do you realize that part? Even though we call it the New Testament, Jesus hasn't been born yet. That's considered Old Testament. So that she recognized Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Simeon. Now this is New Testament. Jesus has been born. So that he might be able to recognize the babe in Mary's arms. Anna, being a prophetess. You can't be a prophet without having input coming from the Holy Spirit. It's still by the Holy Spirit that people recognize Jesus even today. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And this is what Paul says. That is what the Scripture mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now catch this part. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Later in that same letter, Paul goes on to elaborate on the spiritual gifts. Now we're at verse 3. 
Now, we're going to, obviously, we're going before verse 9 and 10. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Long before the angels made that glorious announcement to the shepherds out in the field there in Bethlehem, God had already been promising His people a Savior. <laughs> Throughout the prophetic writings, a, a prophetic writing or is a word or a writing that means the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Let's just look at two of them. One from Isaiah and one from Micah. Here, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The word sign means miracle. Behold, the virgin will conceive, and that's a miracle, and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel, God with us. Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. There was something else that needs to be noticed about baby Jesus, the Christ. It's that he had a mission to accomplish Jesus came not only to teach and to heal and do signs and wonders, but He came also to suffer and to die for the payment of my sin and your sin, for the sin of mankind. Simeon's words to Mary are the first hint of the suffering that was yet to come to Jesus. Anna also kind of spoke to that about the redemption for Jerusalem because of this baby. One of the reasons Christmas is such a, well, just an exciting and popular holiday is that it's designed to be the happiest and joyfulest time of the year. Many people, not necessarily even Christian, love to celebrate Christmas. Many more people celebrate Christmas than they would ever celebrate Good Friday or Easter. But Christmas is just the beginning of the whole gospel story. The babe born at Christmas will suffer and will die on Good Friday. And the good news is that He will rise again three days later so that death will be defeated. Now, as Jesus grows up and begins His ministry and teaching, something begins to happen. Division. 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 But the division that Jesus brought forth was not about Jews versus Gentiles. It's even something more serious than that. It's even here that it's made clear that the salvation of God sent by Jesus 
is really the division of those who would say, I believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, or I reject Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. The division that Jesus brings is between those who come to recognize Him and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that can only be done. And those who refuse to recognize Him, well, that division will separate you. So the question is, are you going to stumble over this rock called Jesus? Or are you going to be able to stand on this rock called Jesus? See, on this side of Christmas, look at the babe in Mary's arms and know that He is the light of the world, your Savior, your Redeemer, your Lord. On this side of Christmas, look at the babe in Mary's arms and don't look away until you recognize Him. You know that that division is still at odds and at work even today. Some recognize Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior. And some refuse, even though they know He rose from the dead. The question is, who do you say that He is? Christmas is over, but how does it impact you? Well, Father, I pray blessing on Your people. Lord, help us not to just look at Christmas as a holiday to give gifts to people that we love. Father, help us to receive the greatest gift, Jesus, as our personal Lord and Savior, that we lay down our lives to Him. Father, bless Your people. Fill them with Your Holy Spirit that we would all be able to say, Jesus is Lord. Your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless, church. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.